Hi, welcome to the Refuge House broadcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact the world for Christ. So here's what you need to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Amen. Somebody say glory. Say glory, glory, glory. Look at your neighbor. Say to your neighbor, you are more than a conqueror. Say you've been born again to a spirit-empowered life. A life that God always leads in celebration of victories in every place. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Put 2 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14. This portion of the Bible is the description of a spirit-empowered life that every born-again believer has been born to live. You are not born again to complain. You are born again to reign. Say amen. amen. Do you know what it means to reign? It means to be in charge. Oh, glory be to God. Say, I, I, I refuse to complain. If you are complaining, you are a king that has abandoned your throne. You were saved to reign, to be in charge with the celebration of the victory that Christ has given to you. 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14. Are we there? All right. The Bible says, I think we should check our Bible. I don't know what's going on. I sent a message on the platform on getting a Bible software. This awoof, it has to stop in Jesus' name. All right. Let's, if we have to buy it, let's buy software so we can be getting it. All right. All right. Can we read it together, everybody? Want to go now? What is now? What is now? Present. I prefer the word present. Now is what? Now. And you, you live in the now, don't you? you? You live and you function in the now. So what we're about to read, are you paying attention? Try to avoid all this che -che -che. Just pay attention, okay? Now, thanks be to God who always... God is doing this thing now and always. What does he do? Leads us in triumph in Christ. So the day you are born again, you've been born into a life where God leads you to triumph in Christ. The Bible says as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are what? They are the sons of God. What does that mean? That the moment you're born again, you become a son of God. To be a son of God is to be born of God. And you've been born into a life that God, the Holy Spirit, leads you in triumph in Christ. The word triumph means celebrating the victory that has been given to you in Christ. The day you got born again, you were plugged to the victory of Christ. So from that day you got saved, brothers and sisters, you became a new creation. You've been born into a life to celebrate the victory of Christ. And the Bible says, and through us diffuses the fragrance. That word fragrance is the word perfume. The perfume of this knowledge. What knowledge? The knowledge of his triumph in every place. So wherever you are, Wherever you find yourself, you've been born again to celebrate the victory of Christ where you are. So it doesn't matter the situation you're going through. You are a victor in Jesus' name. Amen. Bible says whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. That's your life. This is the spirit-empowered life. And we said Satan knows this very well. He knows that your advantage is in Christ. And he knows that by the spirit you're unstoppable. So what does he do? Sell you a lie in your mind. The only part Satan can always reach is your mind. How you think. And through the instrument of unbelief, he uses what they call spiritual slumber. Everybody say spiritual slumber. Say that again. What is spiritual slumber? It's a reasoning, a thought process that allows you to take vacation or go to sleep or know you are in Christ. You abandon your post. You, give, you go to sleep on your spiritual 
priorities, and responsibility. And the goal of spiritual slumber is to make you slothful. Everybody say slothful. Yeah. And, 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 and there's danger in being slothful. Go to Proverbs 24, everybody. Proverbs 24. Can you put it on the screen? Well, we read Proverbs 24 from that same verse. This is the consequence of slothfulness. When you are slothful, there are dangers. And there are two. We, we looked at the first one. During the first one, we're going to get into the second one. But I want to say one or two things about the first that the Holy Spirit brought into my heart. Proverbs 24. Are we there? Let's look at from verse 30. Verse 30. Proverbs 24. All right. Are we there? Let's look at the one to go. Can we read it together? I want to go. I went by the field of the lazy. Who is the lazy man? Slothful man. Sluggish. Slacking. Slothful man. A slothful man. A slothful believer. I went to the field. The Bible is using the field or a farmland that is planted with vine to describe the life of a slothful believer. Your life is like a farm. Paul said that we're God's farmland. We're God's husbandry. That means we're God's farmland. Our life is like a farm that God has planted the seed of greatness. Every, every detail of your life has been planted in your heart as a seed. Are you hearing me? You, the Bible said the seed of God remains in us. That seed contains the seed of every expectation that God has for your life. The seed is there. Now, watch this. He said, I went by the field of the lazy man, the slothful, full of potential, but he had assumed a disposition of slothfulness, and the Bible describes him as a man devoid of what? Understanding. Devoid means you lack the appropriate wisdom strategy to take charge. When you are devoid of understanding, it means you lack the wisdom strategy to do what? To take charge. You've abandoned your post. You lack the wisdom to take charge. And as a result, what happens? Go to the next verse, everybody. What did he say? And there it was. The life of a slothful believer. What has happened? All overgrown with what? With what? With what? Not, not just grown. Overgrown with thorns, and its surface was covered with needles. Its stone wall, that's its fence, was broken down. And I told this during the first service, that what is the picture of this verse? What is the picture? Very good. What is the picture? What is the picture? So that means when you are slothful, you neglect your spiritual priority and responsibility. Did you hear what I said? When a believer is slothful, what does he do? He neglects his spiritual priorities and responsibility. Spiritual things doesn't matter anymore. And as a result of neglecting your spiritual priorities and responsibility, your life becomes overgrown with weeds. What is weed? An unwanted plant. That's a weed. And, it, and what a weed does, it prevents what is wanted from growing as it should grow. So when you neglect your spiritual priorities and responsibility, your life becomes overgrown with thorns, its surface are covered with nettles, and the fence that is meant to keep the fox out, because the fox is one of the number one enemy of the vine, the fence that is supposed to keep the fox out is broken down. And before it got broken down, you neglected it, and it got to a point that the foxes are just strolling in and attacking the vine. Nothing is working anymore. Go to the next verse. What did he say next? He said, when I saw it, when I saw it, what did I do? I analyzed it. I considered, what is the reason for this outcome? I considered it where? Then he says, I looked on it. That means I came up with a conclusion. What did he say? And I received instruction. I found out why this state is like this. Go to the next verse. What is it? It is because of a, a little sleep. What is a sleep? You abandon your post. You abandon your priority. A little sleep. A little, a little folding of the hand 
to rest. What is to rest? You abandon. You don't confess the word anymore. You don't pray anymore. You don't read your Bible anymore. You don't serve God as you should. You just chillax. You rest. Go to the next verse. What will happen? It says, so your poverty. What is poverty? The meaning of the word poverty means lack. It's not just lack of money. <laughs> money is just a subset. The word poverty means lack of the required resources. It could be lack of men. There are some of you, there are some things that are not speaking because the right people God has destined have not showed up. Lack of the required people. Because if God is going to take you from one level to the other level, there are people he has scheduled to play a part in that. Do you understand that? Are you listening to what I mean? Lack of men, the right men. Lack of the right resources. Your problem is not money. Your problem is lack of the adequate resource. Check your Bible and even check history. Every man who demonstrated greatness, they didn't have a problem with money. Money was actually a servant of a man that has vision. Are you hearing what I'm saying? When you are supposed to see what you are supposed to see, and you do what you are supposed to do, provision will follow you. Did you hear what I said? My story is very interesting. When I came to Potakot, all I came to Potakot was a word God spoke to me. And the day I was to travel, I just knew it was time for me to move to Potakot from Sapler. Because I'd finished school. And God told me that's the next place we were going. I went to meet my father. My father prayed for me. He said, God, go with you. Then I met my mother. I gave me 500 naira. I took a bag that I, I, I mean, I finished school with. Entered road, came to Potakot. That's how my journey started. I came to this time with 500 naira. With some little clothes that I used in finish. You know, the one I used to finish university. That's how I entered this town. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Somebody say, glory be to God. So shall your poverty come. Like a prowler. A prowler is an intruder. Something that forces his way. I know that arm robbers use what they call the element of surprise. Is that not so? They, they come when you least expect them to come. Because if they know you are going to be aware, you will prepare for them. Do you understand that? So when you see them come, you see them, they come silently, dodging, 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 and trying to take advantage of those who are sleeping and they are not aware that they are coming. So that element of that, before you organize your brain, <laughs> everything is, you're panicking because you're not prepared. You didn't expect them. Measures were not put in place to alert you in case an intruder is coming, this is what you should do. And because there was no measure in place, they came in as a prowler and you were robbed. And your need, like an armed man, like an armed man. Say with me, say, I resist every form of slothfulness. As a believer, you cannot tolerate it. I told you, I showed you with you five evidence that slothfulness is playing out. One of them is excuse giving. Make sure you go and listen to the first service message and absorb it very well. Are you hearing me? And I said, there are two principles we can deduce from this verse. These two principles reflect the consequence of slothfulness for a believer. A believer that is slothful abandons his spiritual priorities and responsibility and there are two consequences we can extract from this portion of the Bible we just read. What is the first one? What is the first one, everybody? Those of you that are in the first service. Want to go? What is the first one? Very good. Exposure to what? Exposure to demonic oppression and manipulation. Brothers and sisters, Satan has been defeated 2,000 years ago. How many years? 2,000 years ago. But he's still looking, he's still fighting and looking for an advantage to come back. Never, ever forget that. We are, I mean, we have overcome Satan in Christ, but we are commissioned the scripture to be on the watch. Because if you go to sleep, he will strike. Did you hear what I said? He said, be sober, be vigilant, because what? Your adversary, the devil, works about like what? A roaring lion seeking whom he may what? May devour. Turn your Bible to Isaiah 56, verse 9. And verse 10. Everybody? Isaiah 56, verse 9 and verse 10. Hallelujah. Isaiah 56. Rela, go back to the 
And my daughter said, I'll set an example. Go back and stand behind the church. Isaiah 56. Verse 9. Are we there? It says, all you beasts of the field, come to devour. What is a beast? A beast is an enemy. And in the Bible, the beast is the devil, demons, and the works of darkness. Who is the beast? Satan, demons, and the works. They are beasts. They are the only intelligence they have is to devour. And the word devour means to kill, to steal, and to what? And to destroy. The thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to what? And to destroy. That's what the beast does. Satan is a beast. That's what First Peter 5 8 says. He said, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary, the devil, works about like a royal lion, seeking whom he may. He does not have the advantage. You have it. You've got the power. Tell your neighbor, say, you've got the power. Come on, look at your neighbor, say, you've got the power. Look at somebody, say, you've got the power. But when the person that has the power does not use the power, is that power... Useful? No. So if you have the advantage and you don't use the advantage, Satan will take advantage of your advantage and it will become a disadvantage. Is that not so? Not because you don't have the advantage, but simply because you're not using your advantage. And so the Bible says, all you beasts of the field, come to devour. All you beasts in the forest, come to devour. Come to steal. Come to kill. Come to destroy. Go to the next verse, verse 10. Stop in verse 10. Why? Why will the beast come to devour? Are you there? Let's read it together. It says why? His watchmen are what? They are what? They are not seen as they should see anymore. And if you become spiritually blind, say, you know, they see again, we'll go. Let's, let's, let's move in fast. They are blind. What else? They are all, they don't know who they are in Christ. And because of that, sinners say, let's go in a fight. Let's go and devour. They are blind. Let's devour. They are ignorant. Let's devour. They are all dumb dogs. What is a dumb dog? A dog that cannot bark. Dumb dog. They cannot bark. Sleeping. Lying down. Loving. We'll stop here. Loving. Not just slumber. They've developed an attachment to sleeping. They've developed a liking. They've, no, they've, they've, they've gotten used to spiritual slumber. The Bible says loving to slumber. I'm going to show you something that I, I trust God will bless you. You will notice to be asleep is to be blind, is to be ignorant, is to be speechless. When you are dumb, you don't talk. Is that not so? Come on, talk to me. You are, not, you, you are what? You are speechless. You don't talk anymore. You just, you don't say anything. They, they cannot back. They cannot back. Watch this. And as a result, because they love to slumber, they have given the enemy the place and opportunity to strike with demonic oppression and what? And manipulation. Now, go to 1 John chapter 5, verse 18, everybody. 1 John chapter 5, verse 18. You need to understand the spiritual warfare. You cannot afford to be inactive. You cannot afford to be spiritually silent. That's why complain is a sign of concession in warfare. Do you understand that? When you complain, what are you doing? You are surrendering. You are telling the enemy, come and have your way. Anytime you complain, what are you saying? You are saying, Satan, come and devour. When the Bible said, do all things without murmuring and complain. Why? Because if you complain, you are yielding ground. You are conceding ground. If you complain over a matter, you are giving Satan the advantage in that matter. Did you hear what I said? You are submitting the situation to demonic oppression and manipulation when you complain. Watch this. Let's read verse 18 together. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. It's our life. But he who has been born of God, what is he expected to do? Keep himself. What does it mean to keep himself? To be sober and to be vigilant. Because he knows his adversary is walking about looking for an opportunity to devour. He said he keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. You are only untouchable 
when you are spiritually functioning. Write it down. You are only what? It doesn't mean Satan will not try. He will try. That's his job. He will always try. But when you are spiritually active and functioning, you become untouchable. Not that the devil will not try. Satan tried, but he will fail. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Oh, he will definitely fail. He keeps himself. How does he keep himself? He keeps himself within the advantage that has been provided for him in Christ. Oh, I'm going to show you something that will bless you. Somebody say glory. glory. Come on, somebody say glory. glory. Hallelujah. Write this down. Satan cannot oppress and manipulate the believer without his permission. What did I say? Satan cannot oppress and manipulate you without your permission. And he seeks permission through two ways. Through your ignorance and through unbelief. Are you hearing me? That's how Satan seeks permission. Through what? Ignorance and what? Unbelief. That's what the Bible says. Give no place to the devil. Why? Because he's looking for a place. And, and, and any place you see Satan operating, somebody gave it to him. They gave it to him either through ignorance or they gave it to him through what? Unbelief. Let me show you something Jesus said. <laughs> Go to Matthew. Are you ready for this? Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 28. <coughs> Excuse me. Matthew 13, verse 24 to 28. Let us look at the dangers of going to sleep on who you are and what you carry. Are you ready for this? Let's read it together. What does it say? Another parable he put forth to them saying, the kingdom or the dominion of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Tell your neighbor, say you are that field. Say there are good seed in your life. This good seed are the seed of greatness. Say I carry the seed of greatness. You know the reason why you should not be jealous of anybody and not wish that you have what somebody has is because you are equally as great as that person. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Say, I carry good seed. The field is me and you. Are you ready for this? Now, go to the next verse. He said, but why men slept? There are people that were meant to look after the field. And instead of them to be watchful, what happened to them? They did what? They did what? They, they slept. They went to sleep on their responsibility and their priority. What happened? His enemy came. See, when you sleep, Satan will show up. What did I say? Are you paying attention? When you sleep, Satan shows up. Because when you sleep... The signal you are sending in the spirit realm is that you are abandoning your post. Men, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. The enemy have planted it and they're gone. Go to the next verse. What did he say next? But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tears also appeared. There's not a struggle. The seed of greatness does not have the independence to grow and flourish as it should. There is no conflict between your destiny and something that seems to be tied and connected to it because when men were supposed to be awake, they were sleeping. When they were supposed to be praying, they were sleeping. When they were supposed to be reading their Bible, they were sleeping. When they were supposed to listen to what the Holy Ghost was telling them, they were sleeping. And so the enemy used that opportunity to put some seeds of tears among them. Now there is a conflict, there's a fight, there's a struggle. Believing God now is not a fight. You don't find it easy to trust God. Every time you want to take a step of faith, something rises up on the inside of you and tell you that you are joking. Is it not you? It will not work. And anytime you want to say what God says, inside of your heart there is this conflict. No, no fear will rise up. All these are tears that has been sold because you were not watchful. Then what did the master say? Go to the next verse. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? Yes, I did. How then does it have tears? I only planted good seed. Go to the next verse. What did he say? Verse, final verse. He said to them, an enemy 
And I know what I placed inside you. I know what I gave to you in Christ. I know what I invested in your destiny. This thing you are facing, I didn't plant it. This situation that is making, you, making God look as if God has abandoned you and God is not there anymore. God said, I didn't plant this. He said, an enemy has done this. The servant said to him, do you want us there to go and gather them? He said, no. But where I want to focus on is an enemy has done this. I'll quickly run through two stories before I go to the second point. There's something you need to understand about spiritual warfare. You cannot afford to go to sleep. I will use two instances to explain to you that Satan is always looking for opportunity to bring demonic oppression and manipulation to God's children. You have to take your stand. Bible says, having done all but to what? Stand. You have to take your stand. You can't go to sleep on your stand. You can't. It's too risky. There are no spiritual vacation in your walk with God. You don't take spiritual vacation. You don't do that. There are too many things at stakes. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. I just want to point some verses there. This was a time in the children of God's life. Saul was the king. And one of the persistent mortal enemies to the children of Israel was the Philistines. I hope you know in the Bible, every enemy that came against the children of Israel were engineered by Satan. I hope you know that. I hope you know that. Because the day God declared that Israel was his chosen, they became a target for Satan. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Yeah. The devil will always look for opportunity. You have the advantage, but it will not stop him from looking for an opportunity to get the advantage over you. So he came against the children of Israel, and the Bible describes something very powerful. The children of Israel was on one side of the wall, and the Philistines were on another side. They were all standing on a mountain, and in between them was a valley. And the scripture said something that was very strong. Go to verse 8. Go to verse 8. First King chapter 17 and verse 8. Hallelujah. First, sorry, First Samuel, I'm sorry. First Samuel chapter 17, thank you. First Samuel chapter 17. Hallelujah. I'm going to show you something that will help you. Somebody say glory be to God. The, the Bible not describe that a champion from verse 4, it says a champion came out of the Philistine and stood in the valley. Listen, oh. And he spoke to the children of Israel. He said, and when the Bible gives us the description of this champion, his name is Goliath. He was about six cubic tall. That is, if he stood here, his head would be almost touching the ceiling. He was very tall. His shield was carried by a man. When the Bible described his spear, the weight of the spear alone, only him can carry. It would take several men to lift his spear. His helmet was made of brass. He was completely huge, terrifying, and intimidating. He stood and he began to threaten the children of Israel. What did he do? He stood and what did he do? He cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Why did you come here? And I hope you know it's Satan that is talking through them. I hope you know it's the devil. Let me tell you one of the first things about warfare. Satan will always issue threats. What did I say? Every, every proposal, when Satan wants to take an advantage over you, one of the things he will use is to use the situation or the circumstance to issue you a threat. A threat means this thing will kill you. It will finish you. There's no way about it. There's no way outside. You, you see this thing has happened to you? This is how you will die. And that threat sometimes can show up in a dream. That threat can show up in a financial crisis. It can show up in a job loss. It can show up in a family crisis. The devil will issue a threat from what? It could even show up in a, a marital misunderstanding. Once it happens, Sarah will say, your marriage is going to die. This is the end of your marriage. This is the end of your business. You are about to die. You see this thing that's happening to you, you don't die. Then the next thing, not only does he do, do, issue threat, he issues threat 
to test your resolve. And if he finds out that you fall for a threat, then the next thing he will do is to intimidate you. Did you hear what I said? Listen. And he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel and said to them, why have you come out to line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you, the servants. Hey. Do you understand what the devil is saying? I am what? And you are what? So, let me ask you a question. Is Goliath the king of Philistine? Eh? What, does he, what, what is he? He's one of the soldiers of Philistine. He didn't even call them soldiers. He, so, he does not even regard them as soldiers. And not only that, he placed himself on a class that is higher than them. I am a Philistine. But all of you are what? You are servant of so no, no respect. He didn't say you are soldiers of soul. You are, you are servant of soul. That's called a threat. And what happened? And he says, choose a man from yourself. That's what the devil will do. He will want to bring the battle to his place. He will want to take control over the battle. He said, now, they don't fight war like that, but he's redefining the battle. And he's trying to play. Satan will always want to use the battle and bring it to a zone that gives him the advantage over you. And that's what the devil does. The devil knows that we have been called to live by faith and not by sight. So you know what he will do? He will try to draw you out of the realm of faith and bring you to the realm of the senses where your advantage doesn't speak. He will try to make you notice situational facts instead of scriptural facts. He wants you to take your eyes away from what God has said to the things that are happening around you and to the situations that are around you because he knows if he draws you out of your advantage, he will have the say. Goliath was intimidating. He was about twice the size of a man. Now, if somebody like that was to stand before an army and tells the opposing army, that none of them is as tall as him. Is that a fair fight? Answer me, is it a fair fight? Why? Why? Why is it not fair? And who is as tall as Goliath? Are you guys using your brain or you are just listening to me? Goliath is about six foot. Six, not six foot, six cubic. That's about nine feet. The average size of a man is how many? Five feet something. I don't think, is there anybody six feet here? It's basketball people that are six feet too. Is there anybody six feet here? I'm five seven. So if you are taller than me, maybe you're almost six. Eh? You should be playing basketball. Some of you are two feet, Abby. I'm not insulting you. It's your, it's your height. Live with it. No problem. Some of you are three feet. Some of you are four feet. Some of you are five. I'm five seven. Okay? Now, listen to this. Listen. The, Goliath knows I am nine feet tall. If I, a nine feet tall, is calling someone that is six feet to come and fight with me, is that a fair fight? What do you think he's trying to do? He's trying to rearrange the battle to suit his advantage. That's what I want you to see. When Satan issues a threat and you don't reply back, the next thing he will do is to bring the battle to the zone where he controls. Because you can't fight a nine-feet man that only a human being carries his spear. Only the sight alone will take the spirit from the person's body. But that's what he wants. He said, choose a man for yourself and let him come down to me. Go to the next verse. Are you there? If he's able to fight me and kill me, then we will be your servants. Did you see where a servant now came in? That is, after you have killed me and beaten me, then we will be what? Your servant. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servant and servant. Because Satan's goal is to make you his servant. To serve his purposes and to serve his will. Go to the next verse. What the Bible say? And the Philistines said, Now, I defy Hey, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. What happened next? You will laugh. What happened next? Go on. 
When Saul, that's the king, and all Israel heard the words of one man. Everybody say one man. One man. What happened? They were dismayed. See, when you don't reply Satan's threat, you become dismayed and afraid. The word dismay means you, you panic and you become discouraged. And fear comes in. Once there is fear, Satan has got you under his control. Please, are you following this? Notice there has not been fight. Are you paying attention? There, nobody has drawn a sword. Nobody has fought. But Satan is using his words to take advantage over the minds of the children of Israel. And it's working. He had completely defeated them in their mind. He had controlled them that this situation we are going through will be your end. Nobody will help you in this life. This thing you are facing, it will not change. And it's threatening you, bringing you to the senses. And you're not replying. You're not saying anything. You're not doing anything. You are sleeping. And hear me, you do not go to sleep on Satan's threat. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Something shows up in your health. And, and, and it's just a little pain that started like a pain. And you did nothing. You slept on it. It's okay. It's not saying anything. Take it to the next level. From threat, it starts to intimidate you. And from intimidation, he now brings you under fear. And once fear sets in there, he will take you out. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Go to the next verse, and I'm going to show you something that will bless you. Now, David! The Bible shows us and introduces us to a guy called David. David was the son of a man called Jesse. And the father sent him to take uh, food to the children in the battlefield. Go down to verse, um, I think verse... See verse 23 or so. Go down, go down. Go down. Hallelujah. Is it verse 23 or 30? Let me see. Hallelujah. Okay. It says, then when he came, brought the food. You know, David has always been fascinated about battles and all that. But, but there was something about David. David walked with God. God was with David. Now, listen to me. God was not just with David. God was active in the life of David because David was moving with God. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Now, as he was speaking with the Philistine, watch this, and as he talked with them, there was the champion. You see, the Bible calls him a champion. Please pay attention to this. The Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines, and he spoke according to the same word. This time, he was repeating the same thing day in, day out. But someone with a walk with God heard it. Go to the next verse. Go to the next verse. And all the men, are you with me? All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, what happened to them? They fled from him and were dreadfully. See, the fear had gotten to a deeper level. They were dreadfully afraid. Go to the next verse. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come to defile Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with greater riches, will kill him, will, sorry, will give him his daughter and give his father's house exemption from taxes. Go to the next verse. Then David spoke to the men. Who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away this disgrace? Do you know every time you allow Satan to have his place in your life, you bring reproach to who you are. You bring reproach to who Christ is. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You bring a shame to your union with God. You bring a shame to God's presence in your life. He said, for who is this? David has started fighting. Because every warfare begins with how you talk. See that thing you're facing? If you want to come out, it will start with how you talk. It will start with what you say. If what you say does not change, what you do will not change. Did you hear what I said? If what you say does not change, if you want to change that situation, brother, you don't have to see for it to change. You have to talk it to change. More, I mean, sorry, David had taken charge of the war. 
he was already belittling Goliath with his words. He said, who is this uncircumcised man? Circumcised. He says that he should defy the armies of who? Of the living God. Go to the next verse. And the people answered him in this manner, say, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. Go to the next verse. Then a liar. There is always a Satan's weakness that will try to hush you. That will try to make you keep quiet and conform to the nonsense the devil is doing in your life. His brother, Eliab, his oldest head, when he spoke to the men, Eliab's anger was aroused against David and said, why did you come down here? With whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. Go to the next verse. And David said, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? Is there not a reason? Go to the next verse. And he turned. Somebody say turn. I say somebody say turn. Open your mouth and say turn. Don't let Satan get you quiet. Are you hearing me? Don't let the enemy keep you quiet. Too many things will spoil when you are quiet. Are you hearing me? Because the, when you are quiet, it's a sign you are yielding to Satan's oppression and manipulation. And he turned from him towards another. And he said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first one did. Go to the next verse. And when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. Go to the next verse. And David said to Saul, let no man's... Hey, he has already started winning the war. He has already started winning. How you know a winner is how he talks. You didn't hear what I said. I said how you know a winner is how... How he speaks. How he speaks. He said... So, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Go to the next verse. And Saul so said to David, <laughs> you want to go and fight him? You are not able. All the oppositions that we want to remind you of your condition will talk. First of all, it was Eliab. The next one now is the Saul. He will try to remind you that you don't have what it takes to win. Don't you remember where you come from? Don't you remember your father's name? Don't you remember your family? Don't you remember your second? Ah, you, people like you don't go far now. What's your problem? Calm down. He said, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth. And he's a man of war from his youth. Go to the next verse. What did he say next? He said, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion on a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, what did he do? He said, I went after it. They don't pursue lion. I hope you know. They don't what? It's not a normal man that pursues lion. But David had found the secret. He had a relationship with God that was active. So he was speaking. He said, and he said, I went after it and I struck it. And what did he use? I don't know. Delivered the lamp, but I'm sure his mouth, his mouth, his mouth. And struck it from his mouth. And when it arose against me, what did I do? I caught it by his beard and struck it and killed it. That's a man who has found his secret in the power of God. Are you hearing me? I say it's a man who has found his secret where? When you speak God's word, his power will always answer for you. I thought I was going to hear an amen there. Your servant has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be, he's already won the war. Some of you come on situation. The way you even talk about the issue shows that Satan has even beaten you. <laughs> Pastor, as you see him, so we see him. I know see him. Everything is upside down. Who told you? You said it. As you say, business, you know, they work. nobody they come. Nobody will come. He said, and and, he said, and this uncircumcised said, I mean, David brought Goliath to where he was. He said, we'll be like one of them. Seeing he has what? He has defiled the armies of the living God. And look at what happened there. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered. So he knew where his source was. I am strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Glory be to God. He said, the Lord who delivered me from the power of the lion, from the power of the bear, he will deliver, he's winning, oh, he's already winning. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. Then look at where he now wanted to assist God. So he clothed David with his armor. 
The one that he will not use to go and fight. He says, you carry it and go and fight. And, and he put a bronze helmet on his head. He, he also clothed him with a coat of... All these are weight. Go to the next verse. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk. For he, could, he, he said he, had, he tried to walk for he had not tested them. And David said to him, I, I cannot walk with this for I have not... The one I've tested is my mouth. I know how to talk. I know how to speak. Then he says, so David took them off. He took his staff. This is the one he has proved. His staff is his stick. His hand and he struck and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had and his sling was in his hand and he drew near to he had done all the talking. He had beaten Goliath with his mouth. Now it's time to confront him. He drew near. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bought the shield went before him. Watch this. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, the Bible said it disdained him. He was like, what an insult. I have been boasting for three days that I will kill you. I defy your God. And you bring a youth to fight me. For he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. Go to the next verse. So the Philistine said, the enemy now said, okay. He now tried to use the same tactics on him. He said, hey boy, am I a dog? The war started. Oh. Are you paying attention? Are you, the Holy Spirit is talking to somebody here. He says, am I a dog? Your situation will not change if the way you talk doesn't change. I will repeat it again. Your situation will not change if the way you talk does not change. What did I say? Your situation will not change if the way you speak does not change. Am I a dog that you come to me? In other words, David, you are a dog. That's what he's saying. You are what? You are a dog. For, for him to say, am I a dog? What is saying that David is what? A dog. Do I look like a dog that you want to come and fight me? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. What does it mean to curse? He began to pronounce curses on him because warfare begins with what you say. It begins with what you say and it ends with what you say. He began to pronounce curses on David using his gods. Go to the next verse. And the Philistine said to David, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air. And the beast, he's trying to draw David to his zone. He wants to, he's issuing threats now and intimidation. He said, come. I, he said, come down with the sword. You, what is this? Let me finish what I'm reading first now. And the Philistine said, come to me. I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beast of the field. Go to the next verse. Then David said to the Philistine, <laughs> you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. He said, but I come to you in the name of of the Lord of hosts, the war started. Oh, the God of the armies of Israel, you have the fight. Go to the next verse. This day, the war is beginning now. The Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. They have not drawn sword, nothing has happened though. But David was already determining the end of the fight. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? He's already defined. He says, I will take your head. He has gone in his mouth. He has gone as far as killing Goliath. And he's telling Goliath, what I will do to you. Know now why you are alive. I will kill you. After I kill you, I will do what? I will cut off your head. <laughs> that does not sound like somebody that is afraid. He said, and I will, this day, I will give your remains or carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the beds of the earth and the white beasts of the earth and all the, that all the earth may know <laughs> that if God be for you, nothing can be against you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Go to the next verse. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword. So the warfare, we, we see, the Bible says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are mighty through God to the pulling down of stronghold. And you speak, you, it's in warfare, your mouth is the weapon. You use your mouth to release the weapon. 
It says, then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord, and he will give you into my hands. Then all, go to the next verse. So it was. I will say, so it was. That means as David had spoken, so it was. When the Philistine, it was already coming to a loose battle, and came and drew near to meet David, David hastened. He ran towards him and ran towards the army to meet the Philistine. Oh my goodness, go back. I mean, go, continue, sorry. Then David, as he was running, he put his hand in his bag. That was not David that was coming home. Oh, the mistake, Goliath. When you talk like God, it's God that is coming, not you. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. I said, when you talk like God, it's not God, you that is coming, it's God that is coming. What the mistake Goliath made, he saw David, but he forgot that there was God inside him. Listen, he said, and he put his hand in his bag, and he took out a stone, and he slung it in. And he struck the Philistine. Where? In his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead. And he fell on his face. Let's see what, if what David said happened. Go to the next verse. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. Can I tell you something, which is a revelation? The sling and the stone were his words. It was his words that killed Goliath. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Goliath was already on the ground before David showed up. Go to the next verse. Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine took his own sword, drew it out of the sheets, and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, everybody, <laughs> everybody to your, to your tent. Say, listen, if you know how to fight, you will always win. You, you, the problem is that you keep quiet too much. What, how, how are you? We day. Is everything okay? Now God will they look. What do you mean now God will they look? Where did you pick out that kind of stupid statement from? Is everything okay? Well, well look, we just live on. God knows what they do. What is God doing? <laughs> Why are you talking like that? Do you want that circumstance to change? Do you want that situation to change? Then what you say must change. If your mouth, are you paying attention? If your mouth does not change, your circumstance will not change. Satan knows how to colobi and coin people to his angle. Let me show you one more scripture and I'll stop. Go to the book of, um, I think it's the book of Isaiah. Uh, no, first king, not Isaiah. First king. First king 18. First King chapter 18. I hope you are learning something. I hope you are learning something. Many of you have been too quiet. And because you have been too quiet, you are yielding to Satan's manipulation and oppression. Sorry, I think it's Second King 18, not First King. Many of you have been too quiet. Many of you have been too quiet. Hallelujah. Second King 18. Many of you have been too quiet. You are yielding, and your signs of quietness and speechlessness is, is because you are yielding to Satan's intimidation. You are yielding. You had a misunderstanding with your husband, and Satan begins to scream. This is how your marriage will end, and you keep quiet. Not only you keep quiet, you even add to the pressure, you now cry. You now cry. And on top of crying, you now add complaint on top. You now start gossiping and complaining. Say, see, see my husband. Oh, see my wife. Oh, see my husband. Oh, see my wife. Oh. You know what you're doing? You are conceding. You are yielding ground. You are yielding the situation to Satan's oppression and manipulation. And can I warn you? Satan is wicked. Are you hearing me? The Bible describes him as what? The wicked one. Anything you yield to him, his wickedness will destroy. His mandate as a beast is to either kill, steal, 
all destroyed. And you are the one God has given the authority to put the devil where he belongs. Just to tell you it's the same thing. Second Kings chapter 18. Are you there? Go to verse 17. Verse 17. Okay, no, let's, 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 let me just show you something that the devil does. And, and I'll, I'll yield that to you. Let's look at... Um, verse 13. Verse 13. Are we there? Verse 13. Go to verse 13. Go to verse 13. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, he was the king of Judah, Sennacherib king of Assyria, which was another persistent mortal enemy of the children of Israel, came up against all the 45 cities of Judah and took them. Go to the next verse. Then, then listen, oh, listen. Then King Hezekiah, king of Judah, sent to the enemy, king of Assyria, at Lachish, saying, I have done wrong. Have, have I done wrong? Tell your enemy you don't bargain with Satan. You don't, you don't what? Bargain. You don't bargain with the enemy. You say, ah, why? Satan, they your own. Somebody said, may I really look for Satan trouble. I did my side, make it day his side. You are very wrong. Oh, it doesn't work like that. There is no fence. If you don't deal with him, he will look for a way to deal with you. He said, have I done wrong? What did he say? Turn away from me now. Whatever you impose, he was already using. He was already what? It was already what? He said, whatever you impose on me, I will pay. Bad move. What did I say? What did I say? When you yield to a circumstance that Satan is trying to use to threaten and intimidate you, it's a bad move because Satan is wickedly greedy. He's a beast. And one of the worst things you can do to a beast is to feed a beast. When you feed a beast, it will come for more. I hope you know that. It will never stop. What did he say? He said, and the king of Assyria assessed Hezekiah. What was the assessment? The guy is afraid of me. He's not putting up any resistance. He's not replying me. That means anything I tell him to do, he will what? He will do. Because saying, go away, anything, it was the one that brought the suggestion. Anything you will make, I pay. I will pay. So the king assessed Hezekiah, king of Judah, 300 talent of silver and 30 talents of gold. That's a whole lot of silver and gold. Look at what Ezekiah did. So Ezekiah gave him all the silver that was found where? See, once you compromise, you will compromise everything, even inside the house of God. He, he searched for all the gold and the silver around him. Then the one they kept in the temple to worship God and to do the service of God, he had to pick them to satisfy the enemy. He went, found in the house of God and in the treasuries of the king's house. Go to the next verse. At that time, Ezekiah stripped the gold from the doors of the temple. He's making a mockery of the temple of God now. The golds that were done, that were uh, designed according to the specification that God gave when they were building the temple, he was now stripping all the gold to pay the enemy. And he says, and from the pillars which Ezekiah, king of Judah, had overlaid and gave it to the king of Assyria. Go to the next verse. Then the king of Assyria sent the Tartan, the Rapsaris, and the Rapshakeh from Lachidusa, his generals, with a great army against Jerusalem to king Ezekiah. And they went up. That means the payment did not work. Because what king Ezekiah is saying, if you can give me all this, that means I can as well take up everything. And they went up and came to Jerusalem. When they had come up, they went and stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool, which was on the highway to the fullest. We go to the next verse. And when they had called to the king, Eliakim, the son of Hekiah, who was over the household of Shibna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to them. Listen to what he said. Then Rabshakel is the general of the king of Assyria, said to them, watch this. Say now to Ezekiah, thus saith the great king, the great king, the king of Assyria, what confidence is this in which you trust? Go to the next verse. 
you speak of having plans and power for war. But they are mere words. The enemy is trying to intimidate now, to issue threat and what? Intimidation. And in whom do you trust that you had the effrontery to rebel against me? Go to the next verse. Now look, you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed, Egypt, on which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh. That means you, you people thought you defeated Pharaoh. Pharaoh is nothing compared to me. He says, so is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to her who trust in him. Go to the next one. But if you say to me, watch this, he has now moved to their confidence in God. Unfortunately, they said nothing. If, if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he who, whose high places and whose altar, familiar spirit, whose altar Ezekiah has taken away, this same God that you trust, is it not the same God that some of the things you gave me, you brought it from his temple and gave me? If this God is the way you claim it is, why did he not stop you from giving me the things that belong to him? Are you getting the idea? Listen. And said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar in Jerusalem. Go to the next verse. Now therefore I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria. And I will give you 2,000 horses. If you are able on your part, watch this. Oh, I will give you 2,000 horses. If you are able on your part to put riders, that's a mockery. I will give you 2,000 horses. That is, if you survive enough to be able to put riders on the horses. Go to the next verse. How then will you repel one captain of the least of my master's servant and put your trust in Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Have I now come up without the Lord against this place to destroy it? The Lord said to me, <laughs> are you listening? God said to him, go up against this land. Since they are now saying that our coming to destroy you was approved by God. And that God sent us to destroy you. That's what happens when you don't, do, you don't say anything. Satan will twist scriptures and will use them against you. Go to the next verse. Then Elikim, the son of Hekiah, Shimna, Joah said to the rapture, please speak to your servant in Aramaic, for we understand it. And do not speak to us in the Hebrew, in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. But they will not listen because they know they wanted to plant the seed of fear. Go to the next verse. It says... But Rabshakeh said to them, Has my master sent me to your master and to you to speak these words and not to the men who sit on the wall who will eat and drink their own waste with you? Then Rabshakeh stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew and spoke, saying, Hear the word of the great king, the king of Assyria. Go to the next. He said, Thus said the king, Do not let Ezekiah deceive you, for he shall not be able to deliver you. That's the war. But for time's sake, I, I will not, I'll just tell you how it ended. There was a counter-prophecy that came. When they went to meet uh, Isaiah, and they told Isaiah what Rabchake said on behalf of the king of Assyria, Isaiah opened his mouth and prophesied. He said, thus saith the Lord God. He said, don't be worried about this guy. He said, none of you will lift up his sword to fight him. He said, God will fight for you. And in one night, somebody say one night, God sent one angel. How many? And slew the entire Syrian army overnight. They slept and they all died before the next day. And the king, in shame, collected himself and went back. And guess, he died there. He was killed by his own sons. What could be more worse than that? Rise up on your feet. Hallelujah. Let me show you something. Go to um, the book of uh, Ecclesiastes. You never concede. Somebody say you never concede. You never concede. You never concede. I think it's the book of Ecclesiastes. Um, is it eight or six? Hallelujah. Is it Ecclesiastes 8? Let me see.
There's a place I want to show you. Please, can I have my phone? I want to show you something. You do not tell anybody say you don't concede. Say you don't concede. Say you don't keep silent. Say, say to be silent is to concede. Is to yield to Satan's manipulation and oppression. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Okay, Ecclesiastes 10 verse 4. Go there. Ecclesiastes 10 and verse 4. Let me teach you a principle of spiritual warfare. It is my prayer that from today you will not be spiritually silent anymore. Amen. You will not be spiritually callous anymore. Amen. You will be spiritually active, radical, to stand your ground and to declare your front in Jesus' name. Amen. Ecclesiastes 10 verse 4. Are we there? What did he say? He says, if the spirit of the ruler rises against you, do not leave your post. Don't stop talking. Don't stop praying. Don't stop confessing the word. It says, do not live for conciliation or yielding pacifies great offenses. When you concede and you go silent, you are giving Satan the upper hand. Say, I refuse to yield. Come on, say, I refuse to yield. Lift up your hands and begin to talk to God. Lift up your hands and begin to talk to God. Glory be to God. Oh, Sibra de Kaligo Shabahada. Silanama de Kobobo Silegadabaya. I refuse to be slothful. I refuse to concede. I refuse to yield. Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.